Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. DC TV podcast. There's too many now. Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. <laughs> she looks like a boss in this coat. Is Nasty Luther like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Ooh. Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all to the CW Supergirl TV series, character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired with special guest and a uh, friend of the pod, Bill Meeks, to discuss and review the Katie McGrath Christmas movie titled A Princess for Christmas. Uh, last week, I was very much against the use of friend of the pod, but I think I'm just going <laughs> to lean into it and uh, embrace it. Uh, so we do have a friend of the pod with us today. So, uh, Bill, thank you for joining us to discuss this uh, holiday classic from Katie McGrath. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's a total classic that I, I, I've only seen just today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Bill you watches know. every year. <laughs> it's, uh, I, do, I, I watch it every year starting in 2020. <laughs> it will be a new tradition for you. So that <laughs> that is good to know. Well, I hope you enjoyed it and brought your thoughts with us. I'm sure that you did. Um, uh, Morgan, do you want to uh, tell everybody about uh, Pretend to be a Time Traveler Day? Oh, I definitely do. <laughs> uh, this holiday classic was brought to our attention by Abby of the Keaton McGraw Book Club. And since it's Pretend to be a Time Traveler Day, we should go back three months ago to September 1st, 2020 to see how that happened. Where did you first see uh, Katie McGrath? Because you've started the Katie McGrath Book Club. So what was your first uh, thing that you saw of her? It, it was on Supergirl. So I was oh, watching okay. season two and that first episode, she walks into her office and I'm like, oh, who's, who's that? <laughs> so then I do as any person would do nowadays. I go on the social media. I go on the Twitter. I go onto Instagram. I'm looking. I don't find anything. <laughs> you're looking. You're like, where is she? Is she? Yeah, I'm like, what? I'm like, what is this? Is it? Is it like a different name? Like, what? Who is this person? And it, that gave me the, the uh, allure of her mm. and the, the mystery, from, if you will. The mystery, exactly. Yeah, a whole different part of like a person of a celebrity where they're not on. Um, social media. In fact, they're reading books. Mm. <laughs> and you would see pictures of her like in Merlin on the Supergirl set, always with a giant book in her hand. And I was like, I wonder what book that is. And so, you know, I kind of tried to zoom in a little bit, <laughs> try and figure it out. Um, and then on Twitter and other sites, there were different people had different ideas and different thoughts. And so I started doing a list of it. And then as I became more a bigger fan of her by watching Merlin, by watching the throwaways, one of her movies, uh, the Christmas movie, um, then there's Leading Lady, all these different ones. I started slowly, slowly. Wait, like, she has of, a Christmas movie? This is very important to me personally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's um, 
a, pri- a princess and Chris. No, it's not. It's a, like, I mean, princess you're putting Christmas together like, like every every possible Christmas title in one. <laughs> a Christmas princess smart. in Christmas town. <laughs> Sounds very great. good wardrobe, by the way. Amazing. Well, I'm, I'm looking that up for the holidays. Nice <laughs> That's important information to know. Uh, thank you for that new information for mm-hmm. us. Uh, it looks like uh, a princess for Christmas. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were all close, weren't we? <laughs> uh, so we're going to have to definitely, uh, can we tie that to Supergirl somehow? I feel like we can. <laughs> so maybe I feel like we've tied weirder things. <laughs> we, we actually have cults, you know, so stuff like that. I'm sure we can do uh, a Christmas. Uh, oh, uh, there's also something Christmas at uh, Castleberry Hall. Was that it? Yes. Um, that's, uh, the same movie, but under a different name, I think in the UK version. Oh, oh this, this is a better title. Fancy. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> like Downton Abbey vibes I'm getting from that one. <laughs> I like that title better. That's Me great. <laughs> Turns out there are three different, uh, titles for this movie that I could find. Uh, one of them is Christmas at Castleberry Hall. There's, uh, and I think these are UK versions. Christmas at Castleberry Hall is a UK version. Uh, Christmas Princess is a UK version. And I guess A Princess for Christmas is just like the Americanized version of it. Uh, so this movie goes by many names and has a variety of posters, really. A lot of design choices uh, that go into it. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Bill and Morgan. Uh, Bill, I guess we'll start with you. Uh, do you have a preferred title for this movie out of, out of the three? Uh, well, you know, Christmas uh, at Castleberry Hall is a pretty, pretty nice name just because it has, you know, the castle's named Castleberry Hall, you know, so <laughs> it's so many on the nose things in this special. But I'm going to have to go with the princess for Christmas because it says everything it is right there in the title, you know? Yeah, that's all you need to know. It's there's a princess and it's Christmas and that's that's it. Uh, so, Morgan, do you, do you have a preferred title? Can I combine two? Because I like A Princess for Christmas. I think that's a solid title. And also I got to yell throughout the entire movie. But is she a princess for Christmas? Uh, and I think I think that's a, a viewing experience you want your viewer to have. I would, however, like to swap out to the poster for oh, okay. Castleberry Hall because I, I like the vibe that it was like it was designed by somebody who just opened paint shop and was like look at all the things I can do with this what if the ghostly face of a child was at the top uh, and, I, and I, I like the energy I like the more is more energy I feel like it really does bring something of the movie to the poster Oh, plus, man. plus, you know, the, the, uh, well, he's not the king, but the grandfather uh, <laughs> is, is featured front and center in that one. And, you know, he doesn't get enough credit in this one. He's pretty good. Yeah, yeah that's true. He's, he's, he's really, truly the, the star of the show. Let's be honest. Yeah, I think I would, I would sort of combine all three of them. I, I would take the title of Christmas at Castleberry Hall. I think that's the stronger title. I like the logo use of the crown in A Princess for Christmas. But I sort of like the Disney fairy tale uh, star behind the cat, you know, <laughs> a shooting star behind the castle with the silhouette and a Christmas princess's poster. Uh, so really, 
a lot of different things are being communicated about this movie. Um, and that's definitely something uh, we're going to be talking about. Um, and uh, since we mentioned uh, Abby from the Katie McGrath book club, uh, I just wanted, since uh, she could not join us for this live stream, she actually, because uh, this is what Abby does, she focused in on Jules's books that she takes to <laughs> Castleberry. And so we have that information. If anybody is interested in the books that Jules Daly reads, uh, she says that two of the books are The Ranger by Monica McCarthy and Shameless by Karen Robards. She said the third book she has not identified yet. So I guess mm -hmm. Abby's still working on that uh, information to come. Uh, but I think that they might all be romance novels. I think uh, so. Wait, does that mean that Buffalo Lena brought like two of the exact same book on her vacation with her? <laughs> what, what do you mean the exact same? I think because did the tweet say two of the books were like one of the one title? No, uh, Abby, I think meant that the two two of the books were like one of them was the Ranger and the second one was Shameless, but she couldn't. Figure oh, out what the third OK. One was. I yeah. thought I thought she was like, I love this book so much that I'm going to have my bedroom copy and I'm going to have my walking around copy, which is, you know what? That's a, that's big Buffalo Lena energy, I feel like. So I could I could buy it. <laughs> And back then, you actually physically had to take the book. So you're taking yeah. up, you know, precious storage space in your uh, suitcase. Whereas back now, at, back, back in ye old 2011, <laughs> when, this movie, when this movie came out, which I definitely thought was way earlier, because I was like, are they are they fighting in a blockbuster video? <laughs> what year is this? <laughs> I guess in well, 2011. You know, no no matter how many copies of the book she had, that maid was throwing some major shade at her for reading oh, for yeah. her reading choices. That that maid was like, oh really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Judgy. All right. Well, thank you for uh, Abby from the Katie McGrath Book Club for not only introducing us uh, to the fact that this movie existed, but for finding that information about the books. So I guess we should go ahead and get started talking about the movie because I know we're all itching to discuss it. Uh, so normally on Supergirl Radio, we like to introduce the uh, episode or movie we're reviewing by talking about the description. So I pulled the description from Netflix. It's surprisingly short. It says, <laughs> quote, a castle in Europe, a long lost grandpa and a storybook romance sometimes life really is a fairy tale unquote which seems like two sentences instead of one i'm not really sure uh but uh this movie was directed by uh the young and the restlesses uh michael damien uh -huh. that's how that's how i know him as danny romilotti uh and written you know by i was his saying i know this visual style that's it that's it. That's that's it. That's that is uh, just taken straight from what he knows. Uh, but it was yep. written by Janine Damien, his wife, and uh, himself, Michael Damien. So the Damien's wrote this. So that is, uh, and the, and it was released in 2011. So I guess we should get started talking about you know the story. What happens in A Princess for Christmas? We're, we're going to be totally spoiling everything about this movie. We're going to be ruining it for everyone. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it and then come back and listen or watch. Um, so. Uh, the story. Let's start there. That's a pretty important part. So, Bill, what did you think about the story in uh, C Christmas at Castleberry Hall? That's my preferred title. So let's, <laughs> let's just go with that. Okay. In A Princess for Christmas, I really thought that the, the <laughs> best part of this... No, I'm kidding. Uh, but actually, like the thing I really loved about this is I'm actually... Uh, I just finished today writing a rom-com episode of my podcast, The Vegas. So this was really good to kind of watch before I went in and wrote it because there's so many tropes in this thing that I love. Like, 
First of all, you know, you have the classic, you know, the narrator opening up with the grand narration where we're going to talk about Christmas. And uh, then, you know, uh, she works at an antique shop. There's a little bit of a hint of magic. Like, how did those tickets come through the, the thing? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I also really loved, uh, you know, there's that little moment they have in the hallway where uh, she's like, you know, hunting kind of sucks. And he's like, don't worry, I don't hunt. It, you know, that trope where, you know, the, the woman in a rom-com sort of wants to change the guy and then, oh, no, it's okay. He's already perfect just how he is. You don't have to do a thing. <laughs> um, I also I really love that everybody uh, really cared about the protagonist's love life. Like, you know, the, the entire staff was just obsessed with this relationship happening. Even going so far as, you know, to rush off to the train station and, uh, you, know, you know, get her the dress and bring her back and everything. And, uh, and you know, that's another trope in and of itself that, you know, rushing to, uh, you know, bring someone back from getting on a plane or a train or whatever. Her rushing off, by the way, probably one of my favorite parts of the movie because she leaves her children. She just leaves her children. <laughs> and, yeah, she leaves so, them like, in Europe. Right, like like a typical rom com, yeah. Like the girl, like goes. She's like, oh, he doesn't love me. I'm leaving. I'm going. But in this case, she leaves her children, and so I was like, is this whole thing, is this whole thing, a long con to be able to drop these kids off somewhere and get out of there? <laughs> like she's like, man, these kids have been burning me for a year since my sister died. Let's get rid of them. <laughs> oh, this, oh, this old British man wants them. Here you go. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely is a trope because uh, one of my th favorite things from 30 Rock was they actually talked about it as a trope because uh, Liz Lemon does it in season two where she goes, she runs to the airport and then she stuffs this, like a Subway sandwich. Oh my stuff God, in face. so good. And, uh, <laughs> and then later Jack references about something about uh, people running to the airport like people do in movies and like Liz Lemon did in real life. And I, I just have never <laughs> forgotten that. Uh, so, yeah, there's definitely a trope. And there's a lot of tropes, I would argue, mm -hmm. in uh, this movie. And I don't know, I, I guess maybe we could go here because this is where I was sort of struggling with this movie because uh, it, it sort of tried to lean and especially in the advertising where it talks about, you know, dreams do come true. And they made it seem like it was a fairy tale and a storybook. And I, I don't know that I fully got that. But the more I thought about it, I was like, well, maybe, maybe there's something there. I don't know that it's fully fleshed out, but like, you know, there's a locked room like Beauty and the Beast. And she's a working <laughs> class gal who goes to a ball like Cinderella. And there's, there's even like, uh, I mean, I don't know, it's not a Disney fairy tale, but like the sound of music is kind of fairy tale-ish. And it's sort of like, you know, the caregiver guardian, you know, comes and falls in love with the captain, you know, like it sort of has some of that in there, but I don't know that that was like the romance part of it for me wasn't as strong as like, say the family narrative and the, you know, the, the stuff with uh, Ashton and his brother Charles. And then there's like, there's a lot of sibling stuff. There's Milo and Maddie and there's um, Edward, uh, Gram grandpa Edward is how I'm going to refer to him. And uh, his brother with the ornament um, and uh, Jules and her sister. So I think the family side of that was a little stronger for me than the romance, but they seemed to really hit on the romance pretty hard. So I don't know what you all think about that. I mean, Bill, I'll, I'll put it to you first. Like, what what do you think is the, the strongest part of uh, your preferred title, A Princess for Christmas? <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think is the, like, the strongest part of, of the movie, would you say? 
I'd say probably, I, I agree with you on the family aspect because the romance part really didn't, you know, I'm not your typical rom-com viewer or anything, but it didn't really excite me. Like it, the, the kiss at the end, it felt kind of dead almost. Like I just don't know if those actors had enough chemistry to sell this as, you know, a woman living her ultimate dream, becoming, you know, a princess for Christmas. Um, it, it's just a... It kind of felt flat, and I, th I think a lot of the more entertaining sequences generally involved the kids, like you know, like the suds in the beginning with the with the uh, <laughs> the nanny and everything. Which, how does she afford a nanny? She works part time at an antique bookstore or an you. antique shop. I was going crazy. I was like, "Is Buffalo like a, a different world than than I was?" Twenty eleven, but, but she could, she couldn't afford her. Her checks kept bouncing. That's the whole point of of mentioning oh, it. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was live tweeting it last night. Like, what is going on? Like, how can she, she, how can she afford this? And somebody tweeted back like, um, in my head, it was like the sister's house that they got. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. But you're doing a lot of mental work for this movie <laughs> <laughs> to make it make sense. <laughs> You, you know, if I was her, I would have uh, when, uh, oh, what's his name? The the butler. I, I've been saying it all day. Uh, Paisley yeah. Winterbottom. Uh, Paisley yes, Winterbottom. Yes, a... Not only the best name I've ever heard in my whole life. <laughs> but when he offers her like the $12,000 check, I'm like, why don't you just go cash out and pay for your nanny? Done. You don't have to talk to the guy again. It's not like, uh, you know, he has any jurisdiction over here in America. <laughs> Yeah, it's Butler's law, obviously. She had to, <laughs> she had to do what he said. <laughs> yeah, no, for me, I didn't mind the romance as much. I just, it, it just sort of was perplexing to me because the at the beginning of the movie, and I also, uh, I could talk about this in another section of our discussion about the narration, but the narration talks about how she's she's a dreamer from Buffalo. She just wants to travel the world. And then that was never really... I don't know that I got that vibe from, from Jules that she was a dreamer who wanted to see the world. I, I don't. I don't think I, I. That really didn't come across to me. Uh, so I don't know, Morgan. How, how do you thought, think about that? And then I think everybody was kind of treating her like, "Oh my God, who is this crazy, crazy foreign woman?" And Jules, I think it was. I don't know. Was it the script? I don't know. But Jules came across as very normal. Like she wasn't like, I feel like the, from the way that they were like treating her in the beginning, it was like she was Fran Drescher, like walking in there like <laughs> and like just running around like nannying everything. But instead, she's like this totally normal, just like American woman. And they were like, oh, my God, jeans in the castle. And I'm like. It's pretty, it's pretty normal. And then she's like, let's put on Jamtastics and dance, <laughs> dance to it. And I was like, oh no. And then, and then Outlander's crazy <laughs> dance involved him putting his sweater over his head. And, and I sunk into the couch. <laughs> I'm not sure I ever came, I recovered from that scene, honestly. But I feel like that scene. Yeah, that was pure cringe topia. And yet, for me, that scene did all the heavy lifting in the romance. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, from that scene on, the romance turned, and suddenly they were really into each other. And I was like, was it because of the sweater? <laughs> like, she, she just saw his dance moves and was like, ooh, honey, break me off a piece of that. Yeah, I agree with both the, with, with the, the romance being really underbaked and, like, 
they never really got me involved in like why these two people liked each other, like what they were attracted to specifically in each other besides like that they're both really good looking. Like, but even that, I feel like they could have been like, huh, I am hot and so are you. This is one thing we have in common. But that was, uh, from what I could tell, that and humane hunting were the only things that they were really <laughs> vibing with on the same level. Uh, I guess that humane, the bad dancing, humane hunting and the uh her ability to immediately spot antiques he thought that was awesome he was like oh my current girlfriend cannot identify these antiques on site <laughs> upgrade that, that, guess the american right. got one over on you <laughs> yes. usa number one um uh that's that's where I, I think the um the the sibling thing i think should have come into play they could have bonded over the loss of their siblings and you know their family and trying to make a nice christmas for the remaining remaining parts of their family because that was a big narrative thread too one of the things i did like um it, it was funny i i watched this the first time and i was like okay and then i watched it again and i was like oh there's actually like narratives and themes that are coming out of here and i don't know if it's because i'm just kind of putting them in there or if they meant to do this, but uh, there was, there was a lot of talk about uh, regaining the things that, that were lost. Um, Grandpa Edward says we should not be lamenting what we have lost, rather celebrate what we have found. Ta uh, he talks about that with uh, finding his brother's ornament and how his brother, you know, gave him his ornament when he lost it or he broke his. And then the doll head goes missing. Um, Ashen's, uh, Ashen d doesn't play his violin anymore. And then when Jules comes, he starts playing it again. She loses her job. And then uh, she's still sort of using her antique skills while she's at the castle. They ruin the dress and then they get her a new one. Uh, they, she, uh, Jules fixes a clock that hasn't worked in years. So there's a lot of things that we're talking, they were sort of hinting at about regaining things that were lost. And I thought that's a really strong theme that could have run through uh, the movie, but they didn't really focus on it too much. And a lot of the things that they did focus on were really like, <clears throat> we talk about it a lot here on Supergirl Radio about underlying things. Uh, you don't, you don't have to necessarily underline it. And I think there were some things in there that were pretty strong about uh, trying to get things that were lost. And I think maybe if I wanted to say, Hey, this is how maybe you could have improved it in my, in my opinion, the, the romance, maybe you could have used the, the siblings, their siblings to connect them to each other. I don't know. That's maybe what I would have done. Um, but uh, I was not the writer nor the director of this, <laughs> this movie. Yeah. I think for like a Christmas romance movie, the romance was uh, yeah. like, was just not there enough for me. Like we just watched a couple of days ago, the, the holiday, that movie with um, Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet and like Jack Black and everybody. And that was a good romance where you got romance and comedy. And I understood why those characters liked each other uh, and was rooting for them. And, and these characters, I was like, I get that they're going to get together because they're both on the poster and that's important. And they're both hot. But besides <laughs> that, I don't know like what they really like about each other i i do think that like the meet cute was good you mm -hmm. know that she runs and i think this is why the staff had a problem with jules is because she broke everything so that was probably <laughs> not very fun for them they're like, oh, i'm gonna have to wheel this back together uh so i did i think the meet cute was good uh she's an antique dealer who broke priceless things i mean that i i admire that about a flaw in a character i think that's strong <laughs> 
Uh, so I, I think that was I, good. I would like I, to, Rebecca, if... Yeah. Sorry, I know I'm kind of on a delay here. I just want to jump in. One of the things that struck me about the movie is, you know, in the entire first chunk of the movie, before they go to the castle, they're, you know, sort of talking and complaining about, oh, these kids are bad. They're so destructive and everything. We do see a little bit of that. But once they get to the castle, the kids are pretty all right. Uh, there's one little fight, but Jules is the one who's wrecking stuff. <laughs> once they get to the castle, the kids were like, it turns out we're great at being rich. <laughs> we should have yeah. just been rich the whole time <laughs> yeah yeah milo like he's immediate like where's my tv get me a tv install it now uh so yeah they are they are pretty good at being rich <laughs> so i guess that was maybe that was the problem uh yeah so um i, I guess it was we talked weird that, that uh, i was just and, gonna say i thought it was weird that he was the only one who requested a tv like I, i'm sure you know the other members of the family are totally jonesing for for some tv i mean we are americans yeah n- now nowadays everybody would just have their phone they could watch whatever they wanted to on their yeah. phone or tablet but back then and yeah maddie uh never uh, her, her name was maddie right yes I feel like every little girl in every Christmas movie's name is Maddie. And so I just want to check that. <laughs> I feel like that's definitely true. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of her and her doll, uh, Julia H. in the chat, that's a really good point, which is uh, the doll head and the burnt dress that mess that made seriously needed to attend a home ec class. I thought that was also really funny that she's like a maid, but she, she doesn't know how to iron a dress. Well, was okay. Somehow they needed to get her to go run to the train station and get her a new fancy dress from Vienna. That that needed to happen. Uh, poor Abigail. That you know, and I, they'll I pay that. for it out of their pocket, even though they're servants. I know. When they were like, "We paid for this," I was like, "Oh no, don't do that!" I was so relieved at the end when he said he was going to reimburse them. Like I was just more concerned about like their petty cash situation. <laughs> Yeah, that was. That I was, kind that of was got the impression that. I kind of got the impression that maybe they got a hint that you know there there was a relationship brewing there, and they're like, we're going to get in on the ground floor of this new princess. You know, we're going <laughs> to you know really ingratiate ourselves to her. I yeah. mean, they're thinking they're thinking five steps ahead. Really, is what they're thinking. They're like, this girl looks like a, maybe a princess for Christmas, say, but maybe next Christmas too, and all the Christmases after. <laughs> Yeah, they saw all the signs. If there's, they one hate thing, they if there's one thing housing staff is known for, it's strategy. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, okay, so we've talked a little bit about the story. I guess we could talk about, since the reason that we're discussing this is because we tie it to Lena Luther on Supergirl through Katie McGrath. So that's how we got here. Uh, so let's talk about Katie and uh, her performance as Jules Daly. So, uh, Bill, what did you think about Jules Daly and uh, the performance Katie McGrath gave? I thought she, you know, stood in the lights really nicely. Like the lights framed her face really, really well. And I mean, she she did the best she could with material she was given. Not necessarily, you know, Oscar or Emmy worthy material, but she did a really decent job with it. The one problem I had is that she looks almost exactly like an estranged member of my family. And the entire time I was like, oh, my God, how did this person I haven't talked to in 10 years get this movie? And so it was just like throwing me the entire time. Oh my God, you're related to Katie McGraw? <laughs> I, I might be. I might be. You've been holding out on us, Bill. Uh, 
Yes. Yeah, so, well, it was um, like one year we invited her over for one year we invited her over for family Christmas, and she took off to Europe, and we were just like, okay, forget you. You you get postcards are signed a Christmas princess. You think she's just being weird? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that was a role. <laughs> So, Morgan, what did you think about uh, Katie McGrath? Because you're a big Katie fan. And uh, so what did you think about her? I love her and everything. I thought she I she always found her light is a great way of putting it. Um, (laughs) She looked great. Great. Great job. I like the curly hair. Uh, I I almost feel like she was miscast in this one. Like, I feel like they were going for like a wackier, like the way that people reacted to her was like she should be wackier, but she was just super normal and so everybody's reactions to her just seemed really off it was like the the prince was like how could i like you're so different i was like she just said like a normal thing to you in a normal tone of voice what are what are you reacting to here i feel like they were going for more of a they're like this this girl from buffalo so buffalo like and i was like what what vibe are you going for here like i don't know that we're meshing uh (laughs) So, uh, so you live, uh, near New York, uh, Morgan. So do do you, do you know about like people from Buffalo? Is there like a, like a, like a trait that really there's somebody from Buffalo? I feel like there's not like a Buffalo lore that I'm like cued into. <laughs> Uh, I just felt like they were, they were emphasizing. She was like, I'm just some girl from Buffalo. And I was like, okay like i don't i don't think that they back home we just had beer and hot wings yeah back home we just had beer and hot wings but she doesn't look like somebody who hangs out and has beer and hot wings like if you know what i mean i I don't know she just doesn't seem like she's like oh man all i want to do is get home and have beer and hot wings like the beginning of the movie is she's like fixing a clock like what did you want this character to be is she she is she like kind of a bookish antique loving clock fixer that also Oh, like, like loves beer and hot wings. I think the story needed to like focus in on that more because otherwise she just kind of seemed like a completely normal human being that everybody was like, how do we relate to this girl? She's, she doesn't know how to eat a finger sandwich. And she's like, she kind of does. She just picked it up and ate it. It's not a big deal. Grabbed a couple on her way out. Yeah, exactly. I think that they might maybe they had to like like show more of the her like faux pawing with like the fancy down da- uh clearly Downton Abbey inspired home. Also, whoever whoever <laughs> uh put this movie together apparently had just watched a whole bunch of Downton Abbey and w- w- was just like I know that that's set in a very specific time period that doesn't exist anymore. But what if it did? <laughs> it's like, I know that's like 19, you know, 15 or whatever. And people don't live like that anymore. But what if they did still live like that? Get the underfootman. Like what? <laughs> yeah. The, the clock thing, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the, the mention of the clock and fixing of the clock in the beginning, because I think they, they mentioned that like first scene she's in it, because it's supposed to come back into play when she fixes the clock, when she overhears the conversation about Bunny McCracken, the, the terrible woman who doesn't like uh, old people and children, uh, <laughs> which I thought was a good scene, actually. Um, and I think Katie did a pretty good job playing that emotion and that disappointment. Uh, so I think there were some good scenes for Katie. Um, but but some of the, the clock stuff, I, I think they didn't pull those threads I think enough. And the problem with making her an antique 
dealer to, to, and I think the reason they did that is so that she would eventually fit in with the sort of higher class monarchy. You know, she could appreciate the old things in the castle, but then it also doesn't make her different enough from them. So I don't know that I totally bought her as somebody from Buffalo, even though I don't really know what people <laughs> from Buffalo are supposed to be like. So maybe, maybe that she told, maybe she totally nailed Buffalo. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I struggled with that a little bit. I, I don't know that I totally bought her when they um, had her show up and be like, well, this is like, this is some music from my gymnastics class. That was like a moment where I was like, okay, this character goes to gymnastics. Like now I'm kind of seeing like, she's like, you know, getting home, has a glass of wine, time for gymnastics. Like I could see that, but like, I don't feel like they, they threw that, like, like they pulled that through enough. Like it was just little bits and pieces that we saw of that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think was, Katie uh, did his, yeah, go ahead, Bill. I was just going to say there was definitely, uh, you know, there was definitely intention behind her character. And I think it got, you know, doled out to the production crew, but maybe not necessarily to the actors or the director. Because one thing that really struck to me is like, this is the character they've been telling us she is the entire movie was when she was looking down from the window. I believe it was the hunting trip. And she looked kind of like, I don't know, almost like a Angela Jolie and Gia or something kind of like alt girl. Uh, sort sort of look and everything. I was like, that's the character everyone is saying she is this whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah where she's got like the messy, the messy like hair and she's mm-hmm. just kind of like slumped over in the window. Yes, exactly. And that's kind of like the way that everybody was reacting to her. Kind of like she's just like, oh, it's just me. I'm just this like, you know, laid back, chill kind of girl. But we only got little bits and pieces of that throughout the movie. And the rest of the movie, she's like, pretty nice very very like polite and respectful she occasionally breaks things but it's not like on purpose (laughs) it's kind of other people's fault half the time i will say one of the things that i thought katie did really well in terms of her performance is she played a lot of comedy which is pretty rare at least for us watching her on supergirls but she she doesn't play a, a ton of comedy and get to do some of those gags i mean she does some actual physical comedy she falls and slips on the the, the waxed floor and, and does some of that. So I, that I thought was really refreshing just to see her as an actress is that we don't get to see a lot of that. And so I think that was trying to play up the whole, like she's different from them. She doesn't fit in here uh, because she's, you know, not used to that kind of thing. So I think that was trying to play into it. Uh, and but I, I, I feel like I, I wish there was a little bit more banter between her character and who I've just been calling Outlander because I didn't bother to learn his name. Um, <laughs> Sam, Sam Hewen, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wish that there had been like a little bit more. They have a little bit. They have like that cute, like the meat cute, which was nice. And they have the 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 really cringy gymnastic scene. Uh, and there's a, there's a couple little bits and pieces. But like there's there were some opportunities when they had cute scenes where like they could have made it a little funnier by punching up the dialogue. And yet it, it's very much like, oh, you're a princess now. Oh, really? And then it's like. And then it just stops. It's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely talk about the dialogue here in a minute because uh, that's definitely something that we need to get to. Uh, and you, Rachel, uh, wonders if how would you compare Katie's American accent in this movie to her Lena accent on Supergirl? So, Morgan, what would you say to that? Is is one better than the other? That's a good question. I don't know. I I felt like uh, I felt like the American accent was pretty good, but her natural accent started to. St- 
to like break free at points, uh, which I feel like in this movie is probably a bigger problem than in Supergirl, because in this movie, she's supposed to be an outsider um, in this like wherever they're supposed to be somewhere in the UK ish, Europe ish, where everybody has a British accent, though. Um and so when when her natural accent broke out a couple times, I was like, mm, now that she doesn't feel that different from them at all. <laughs> uh, here's here's my question to the two of you and to the chat, maybe uh, if you want to respond to it. Would the story have changed so much if they just let Katie be Irish? Like, did she need to be American? Did she need to be from Buffalo? Was that crucial to the story? No, I, mean, I would say maybe I, I think not that's... from a story. Oh, go ahead, Morgan. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like all she needed to be was poor. <laughs> so she could have been poor from Ireland or exactly. Or it's, it's, the, it's like the culture shock of being in uh, Downton Abbey suddenly. And, and <laughs> so that you could have anyone could have that. Yeah, Bill, what were you going to say? From, from a story perspective. I was going to say, uh, from a story perspective, I feel like you're, you were right, Rebecca. You know that it, it really doesn't make much of a difference either way. However, from a marketing perspective, these movies are all marketed towards generally, uh, you know, middle-aged women in America. So you, you naturally, you want the protagonist to, you know, be someone that the people you're marketing to can identify with. So from that aspect, I would say that you couldn't replace her with any other, you know, anyone from any other country. Yeah, I, 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 I like the idea of her uh, because the United States and uh, I, I don't know where, where Castleberry was supposed to be. It was near Liechtenstein. I know that the actual castle was actually in, you know, Romania is where the, the castle was. Um, but I guess uh, I guess I like the idea that they're from two different places because they're very different. I mean, like if you talk about the UK versus the United States, that there are different cultural things about uh, both of those locations. So I can see why there would be a culture clash, but that didn't really play up too much except for the the funky uh, the funky dance scene was maybe the biggest <laughs> culture clash I think in the movie. But uh, but that that could have maybe been a little stronger. So I, I get what they were trying to do, but the buffalo-ness of it didn't really I, I don't know that I bought it so much. Um okay Bill, did you have something before I move on? Nope, nope, sorry. And I know I'm on a little bit of a lag. I apologize. Okay, I just wanted to make sure so we could get to you. Um, so um, we've talked a little bit about some things that were good and some things that were bad. So um, so if you had to name one thing that like you really connected to in this movie, uh, what would you say in terms of a positive light? We, we've been kind of a little negative Nancy on some things. So let's talk about the positive, <laughs> the positives of this movie and the things that like really, was there anything in the movie that like really tugged at your heart? Because it it's a Christmas movie. It's a family Christmas movie. It's supposed to like be heartwarming and, and festive. So Bill, what was it? Was there anything in the movie that really kind of tugged at your heartstrings? Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to remember the character's name. Um, it, it was one of the, the servants, but you know, when they're initially setting up the Christmas Christmas tree and the maid comes in and she's like, you can't do that. You know, we don't do Christmas around these here parts. And uh, <laughs> she's like, but don't you remember what it was like when you were a kid and, 
suddenly she like breaks down and she's like, oh my god, I do it. It was bad. And it was just like one of those like I never expected that character to show really any emotion besides anger at all. And it just kind of I was like, whoa, you know, this is a kind of a surprising thing. Also, does uh does she have a therapist degree? Because she was able to get through this woman's walls like immediately maybe that's what her next job should be one of my favorite lines in in the movie was like she's like well i've been laid off now but i i can't wait to work again not a specific job just work in general i was like oh okay good character building <laughs> one day i hope to have a job again that's the thing that i want <laughs> it's like, and, but 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 in that setting, they were like, "Oh my God, a job! <laughs> How positively cosmopolitan of you, <laughs> Morgan! Is that what you uh, connected to? Is that is that something that you really relate to? Is I really, re- I really relate it to their ability to, to not work at all and just uh, <laughs> and just do whatever they want. It when they they talk to the uh, the mean fiance, always a romantic comedy trope, and and he's like, "You've never worked a day in your life," and I was like. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> I I loved in that in that particular scene, I loved the line, you're all for fur coat and no knickers, because I've never heard that phrase before. But I was like, I know exactly what type of person she is just from that phrase. Just from that phrase, I love it. It was really good. I also um at one point Katie McGraw calls somebody a dingle dork. Um, something that I'm going to be working into my vocabulary this holiday season. <laughs> uh, but no, I think I liked I liked the family stuff. Like um like Bill mentioned, I like the stuff where they're like the you know 007 grandpa was like, no, no Christmas trees for us. That might make us feel joy, and we don't want that. And then they like got the Christmas tree, and he was like, my brother's ornament. Like the uh, the ability to get through to the through these people's tough exteriors uh it, it all happened so fast but i did like the fam like the family idea the family coming together i feel like they didn't dive too deeply into the fact that he disowned one of his children just because of a marriage and he didn't seem to have to like make up for that in any way he didn't even really talk about his dead kid um but you know what he's making it up with the grandkids so i guess we're okay we're chill now <laughs> yeah he and ashton well, talked about kind it of a little a- bit yeah, go ahead, Bill. Oh, sorry. I, I was just gonna say he was kind of he was kind of a duplicitous guy, right? Because you know, first he's like, uh, you know, why don't I send my butler over to get them? And you know what? He can just lie to them and tell them that I'm sick. And then they get there, and he's like, okay, why don't I bring over my family? You know what? Now that my family's here for Christmas, we're not doing Christmas. It was like <laughs> I think the little girl who was like, does he does he mean because he didn't like my mom and dad? She was right. Like they should have never trusted this guy. It turned out okay. <laughs> But, you know, they really should have never trusted him. He he was like Lucy with Charlie Brown in the football. Like, every time he promised them something, he was like, no Christmas tree for you. It's like, whoa, Grandpa, calm down. Yeah, <laughs> They're like, oh, he's and dying. In the last like, scene of the movie. He had a flu. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, ahead, the Bill. last scene of the movie, I, I was half expecting him to walk into the room with Santa and just, like, shoot him dead. <laughs> uh, the last two movie, I was just walking to the room with Shan- Santa and just shoot him dead. 
<laughs> he had to have an arc. He had to start from somewhere and get to another place. What, uh, what what would be great, I think, is if it turned out he really was James Bond. And like that was <laughs> that was really his tragic backstory. He's like, it's not that I wanted to disown your <laughs> your parents, kids. It's that uh, it was too dangerous to have you guys around. And then Santa comes crashing through the window and he's like, everyone <laughs> under the table. I think this is a different movie, but I think a far superior one. <laughs> I I agree. I think that would have been great. Um, so uh, Riley uh, talked about uh, Jules and Milo's relationship. Uh, that that was a pretty strong connection, I think, throughout the film uh, because he didn't like her at the beginning. You're not my mom. And then by the time the movie was over, he you know they they connected. So I think that was good. Uh, I think this is Claudia, uh, the positive side of the movie, the emphasis of family connection and the power of forgiveness. Um, so there are some things there that I, that I think are positive. I really liked the scene. I think there were three that I really thought were pretty strong. The One of them was the Christmas decorating where uh, Edward talks about his brother's ornament. I thought that was strong. I thought the archery lesson between Ashton and Milo uh, which was uh, apparently the first scene that they shot of the movie. Um, I thought that was pretty strong because uh, Ashton gave a pretty good lesson about, um, I think he says something like, you know, I, every time I fought, I still felt like a loser, that kind of thing. I thought that was a pretty strong line. And then uh, there was another uh, scene between the two of them, Milo and Ashton, where they're in Milo's father's office, I guess. Um, and talking about his, his dad and kind of not, you know, forgetting him. I thought those are maybe this, for me, the three strongest scenes of the movie. Um, so I, I, I guess that's why I kind of wanted them to pull in the family threads a little bit more. Bill, were you going to say something? Nope. Okay. Um, so let's oh, go no, into. No, it wasn't. You were breaking up a little bit, so maybe it spread over to me. Okay. Just want to make sure. Cause I don't want to cut anybody off. Okay. Um, so since we've talked about kind of the positive things that we liked about the movie, uh, what are some things that you think maybe, uh, the movie could have done better? We've talked a little bit about that, but if you have any specifics, uh, this is the time to air them. Uh, so Bill, if you, if you had been a writer on a, or, or, um, what do they call them? Like a, like, uh, somebody who comes in and does it like another draft script of the doctor? script, script doctor, uh, punch up. Uh, Yes, yeah. Carrie Fisher Contract. was a script script doctor. Um, so, if, if Bill, if you were the script doctor for A Princess for Christmas, Christmas at Castleberry Hall, your preferred title, what uh, would you have done a little bit differently? Um, well, you know, this isn't necessarily my my uh, favorite genre. So, I, as far as what I would have done differently, I would have totally made Grandpa just like a complete and total villain. Like maybe then, you know, the third act, it's a little bit of a horror movie. You know, like they're creeping around the castle, uh, trying to get out. Grandpa's chasing them. Oh, here's the prince. He'll help us get out. And then he's in on it the whole time. But I, I'm not exactly, you know the type of person who should maybe be writing this kind of movie, because I'm always going to subvert that. Whatever the trope is, I'm going to try and twist it. I would 100% watch your version, though, as a as a spooky <laughs> person who thinks that Halloween should be half of the year at least. I'd be, like, <laughs> so into that, like, that sudden twist. Like, oh, my God, Grandpa's a serial killer? <laughs> well, they, they could do a sequel called A Princess for Halloween. Yes! <laughs> 
Listen, we're just, we're giving them free ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so Morgan, what, what do you think that the, the movie could have done better if you had been the script doctor? I, I think I would have punched up the dialogue. I think the dialogue was a problem. The actors were trying their best with some of the lines, but like some of them just, I mean, they just couldn't, some of it, they just couldn't get uh, over. And I think, you know, if, if it's a Christmas, I think that the family stuff was important. I think it was done well, but I think that, you know, at the end of the day, you look at the poster, you're like, cool, this is going to be like a fun romance. And the romance was so underdeveloped in this movie. I think that they needed to really like up the romance, make these two have some banter, make us understand why these two liked each other, maybe some tension, some any tension besides, you know, fox hunting would have been great. I think I I would have focused in on the romance a little bit more and made you understand why these two characters were into each other. Do you think you could still do the kids and the family aspect with the romance too? Do you think that's possible to do both or would you want to, if you were just going to focus on the romance, just focus on the romance? I think it's possible to have the family stuff in there. And I think, I think we mentioned before, you know, maybe they're bonding over, you know, having lost siblings or having feel, feel like their family's falling apart, something like that. Like you can tie those two elements together, but as it was, I felt like at the end of the movie, they were like, okay, let's get married. And I was like, have you guys had like more than two conversations that didn't involve sandwiches? Like what's happening? Really? You're that into each other. Um, so I feel like it really just needed more development. Yeah. I, I definitely think uh, it, it could have used some. Well, uh, Bill, what were you going to say? I would say, I was just going to say, as far as you were talking about, you know, maybe they should have tried to tie those together a little more. I think a scene where they really could have tied it together was the scene where they went to town and they went shopping and they got the tree because not only do you have him there you know just kind of hanging out with the family he can jump in on that bike and start bonding with the kid uh, with the son and uh then you know he's there for the decision about bringing the tree into the house which his father is against so you know he's kind of kind of it kind of ties him more to the entire group just if they included him in that one little scene yeah, I think that would have enhanced the romance. Uh, it would it would have connected him to the family and kind of made him sort of like the fill in for the dad or whatever. And still and then played up that romance of like Herb saying, oh, well, he he wants to help me do this. And uh, you so could have I, had some yeah. banter there between the two of them where he's like, we don't do Christmas trees. And she'd be like, well, in Buffalo, that's all we do. <laughs> Christmas trees 24 seven, baby. And then they could have like had like a little fight. And then he like relents and he's like, OK, well, if the kids want Christmas um, and then that would have had them as it made sense why they were like a united front on the Christmas tree thing against the, the grandfather, I, th- I think. Mm-hmm. Little moments bringing him into the family stuff probably would have helped sell that romance a little bit more. Yeah, uh, Breeze makes a good point about I was confused by how much time had passed between the ball and the wedding. So did did you all feel like that there was uh, a weird time passage there at the end? What, what did you think about that, Bill? Um, well, you, I, I'm trying to remember because the wedding's just real quick at the end, right? Like, uh, so, so yeah, is it yeah. like, you know, it's winter and then it's spring when the wedding happens. You'd assume, you know, I mean, I know it's true love and everything, but you got to give it at least a few months to settle and make sure you're happy together, right? So, I mean, that doesn't really bother me too much. Morgan, did you have an issue with the, the wedding at the end? 
I, yeah, I had no idea. I, I was like, is it Christmas again? Has has She has to be a princess for Christmas. This is personally <laughs> important to me. That's her thing. Yes, per, that's her whole thing. It's really her whole <laughs> reason for being. And so if they're not getting married at Christmas, what is the point? Uh, so I, I hoped it was one year later at Christmas, but I wasn't clear on what the holiday was. And I feel like that was a missed opportunity. It should have definitely been Christmas the following year, and they should have been getting married by like santa claus or something just to really hone that in uh but at, at the very least like with some poinsettias nearby or something <laughs> yeah that would have been nice they weren't uh, getting, yeah they're getting married on christmas they were getting married about christmas <laughs> yeah yeah it, it was it did seem a little fast there at the end but i think they were going for that uh fairy tale vibe uh, Rachel says in Buffalo, the angel on top of the Christmas tree has hot wings on it. <laughs> <laughs> just really the Buffalo experience. Just a, apparently. Just a little local Buffalo flavor for you all. <laughs> Let's establish some hard and fast Buffalo facts on this podcast. <laughs> if you're watching this from Buffalo, let us know what you guys do there. Cause we apparently don't know. Let us know if uh, Buffalo Lena was an accurate depiction of the people of Buffalo. <laughs> We would like to know. Um, so uh, I guess one of the things we can do to sort of wrap up, uh, well, wrap up our discussion, we have we have two things we need to get to. So if you were going to name an MVP, a most valuable player of A Princess for Christmas, ca- Christmas at Castlebury Hall, A Christmas Princess, uh, wh- who would you say would be uh, the, the character who just really held it all together? Uh, Bill, who's your MV- MVP of uh, A Princess Christmas? I'm I'm gonna say, and this guy wasn't in it an awful lot, but what he was in was spectacular. I'm gonna say the underbutler just because of that. My bad, he gives the kid. Uh, they're, they're the bedroom. <laughs> just because I, I I love I love someone all buttoned up trying to be hip, and so they, that that just tickled me, and he completely won me over. Also, um, what's his name? Winterbottom is a total liar, and I don't like him. I love his name, but I don't like him. Yeah, um, the 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 underbutler he found the doll's head. Yeah, so he's he's a he's a big mm-hmm. hero in this story. Um, and so that's a, that's an interesting take on Paisley Winterbottom. I want I want to know what Morgan thinks about Paisley Winterbottom. Do you agree? Is he someone not to be trusted? Well, now Bill and I are in a fight because clearly, <laughs> if anything, this is a movie about how Paisley Winterbottom opens up his heart and learns to love. And, <laughs> and so, I mean, at the, at the end of the film, I believe we see Paisley Winterbottom with like the head maid and like they're canoodling and you're like, aha, the romance I cared about all along is happening. Um, I, I have to say, if if I had to give an MVP for this movie, it would be the television show Downton Abbey, uh, which this movie borrowed liberally from. Again, Downton Abbey set in the early 1900s. <laughs> okay, you mentioned the, uh, the hinting at the romance between Mrs. Birch and Paisley Winterbottom. Can we stop here for a second? Uh, it, was her name Mrs. Birch? Was she married? <gasps> because yes. <laughs> that seems like a, a pretty big scandal mm. out in the open there. Uh, so I'm just pitching. I'm pitching again. <laughs> Bit off movie. Uh, uh, an affair for Christmas. <laughs> 
It's a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> and it centers around Paisley Winterbottom. <laughs> that was a big question I had. I was like, I thought there was no movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Morgan, did oh, you say Winterbottom, you cad? <laughs> oh, yes, Morgan, your MVP was uh, Downton Abbey. Uh, I'm going to go Paisley Winterbottom on this month because if it wasn't for him, uh, Jules would not have been the dreamer who went to uh, Castleberry and and found her fairy tale princess happy ending, and uh, so I think we all owe it to Paisley Winterbottom that uh, anything happened in the movie. It's really all his fault, is what it is. So I'm I'm going to give it uh, to Paisley. Um, do we have it in the chat? <laughs> Riley has a name for my HBO Max movie. It's called An Affair Over There. <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> yes, I like it a lot as well. Let's see. Uh, Riley says the MVP was the mentioned Buffalo Wings and Fear, which I don't even think was in the movie. That was just something we talked about on the live stream here. So, um uh, Brandon no, says definitely does mention like Buffalo. Like I'm just I'm just a girl from Buffalo who likes to eat hot wings and drink. Does beer. she say? Does she say yeah. that? And I was like, listen, uh, Katie McGraw. Yeah, God bless I, you. yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I believe that to be true. <laughs> uh, I don't know how I missed that. I uh, think she Brandon, also says like Bud Light or something. She's like Bud Light and hot wings. <laughs> no uh, part of me believes that Katie McGraw drinks Bud Light. Like I wasn't believable. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brandon says his MVP is the sweaters. We will talk about the sweaters. Uh, we're going to get to that. Um, so, yeah, so there's a lot uh, of to talk about in terms of this movie. Uh, uh, there's an MVP for Grandpa Bond. Uh, he also played a, a pretty big role in sticking up for Jules there at the end. So there's, you know, he's not the bad guy that Bill thinks or wishes he he would be. He was actually a pretty, pretty good guy. Uh, so thank you all for sharing your MVPs here. Um, so Morgan, there's a lot of talk about the sweaters. People really, how many sweaters? Really want to hear us talk about uh, the outfits in the movie. So I think we should do a little uh, boardroom or ballroom, the Princess for Christmas edition. And now, I'm Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? Okay, so I have some overlays of some outfits. So we'll just go through them one by one and just tell me what you what you think about them. So excited. All right, so uh, here this is uh this is Jules's first <laughs> outfit I think in Buffalo in the store, which I, I just want to mention. I don't think we talked about it, but she makes a sale and then immediately gets fired, which I thought was <laughs> unfair. My favorite part of that scene is like she recommends something to this woman, and this woman's like, "How did you do that?" And she's like, "I have a seven-year-old," and I was like, oh, "Okay." cool <laughs> i have a child it's the only way i could possibly make this recommendation to you <laughs> but but she does uh she starts right out of the gate with a sweater uh, like a sweater uh jacket uh scarf combo so she she really leans into the winter uh the winter attire here i think i think uh you can tell that the antique shop isn't doing so well because it's clearly very cold there mm. uh <laughs> judging by the length of that scarf like she probably has to have it wrapped up all the time uh, the heat's probably on the fritz but i i like the scarf i like the scarf i like the pattern yeah maybe they were going for like a like a oh why am i blanking i just watched the muppet christmas bob cratchit 
Uh, maybe yeah. they were going for like a Bob Cratchit vibe there. Um, she has a, a, a similar uh, uh, appearance when they go back to the house and find the nanny. So here's here's the look that they expand on. She puts on this uh, this red jacket with a bunch of flowers on the front and the back. I, I wasn't sure about. I, I like that jacket because she clearly got it off of Etsy somehow in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I created Etsy just so that I could macrame some flowers onto this blazer. And you know what? Live your truth, girl. Live your truth. <laughs> I, I guess that's what uh, what people in Buffalo wear. I don't know. I'm going to have to go with that. Um, okay. So when they get to Castleberry Hall, uh, she brings some of that Buffalo uh, sweater game uh, that's so on point. She brings it uh, to the castle. So I think it's the same scarf. It's the same scarf. The scarf has made a reappearance. I like how she works in like the yellow in the scarf to the yet like the mustard in the uh, the sweater. I think that that's really clever. She's she's working her fashion. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with her socks. Like, does she just have like really chunky socks on in shoved <laughs> into those boots? How cold is it? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Castleberry looked pretty cold. Uh, it snowed <laughs> quite a bit there. Um, and then I think we talked about this moment where she is looking out the window. Uh, I think her shirt says, uh, want to relax, then go to the beach, I think is what the shirt is. <laughs> so thoughts, Morgan, on, on this look. I like I like this look. This is a this is the look of somebody who just woke up in the morning, and I appreciate the realness. <laughs> <laughs> I always prefer a little more casual Lena, so it's uh, uh, so, so I, I think I'm going with casual uh, jewels here. Uh, I, I I this 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 look I believe uh, that you'd <laughs> be wearing that. Um, and so when she slips and falls on the waxy floor, there's another kind of uh, sweater scarf combo. Uh, I think it's. Is it, I, it might be a different scarf this time, I, though. I like that. This is my favorite sweater dress of the of the movie. I love this sweater dress. I was kind of like, where'd she get that? Maybe I wouldn't mind that. Uh, she is in a lot of layers. I guess I'm assuming that the castle is also not heated. Maybe her real problem is that she keeps going to locations with no heat. Yeah, they they definitely uh, had to make sure they were warm on set because it, it must be pretty cold there, I think, in Romania. I'm trying to remember exactly where they were. Uh, so the Castleberry Castle is actually a Pelez Castle, the royal palace of the Romanian kings, which can be found in Romania. It is unique in Europe in terms of architecture, internal decorations, and collections. So Romania must be cold at this time of the year. And <laughs> I, think, I think this is... Uh, the, the sweater dress you're talking about. You yes. can actually really see it here. Yes, I, I'm loving this sweater dress. It's festive. Uh, I'm excited about the, the festiveness of this dress. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that too. I think she looks uh, very uh, in the spirit of Christmas and it's an appropriate thing to wear uh, for decorating the Christmas tree. So I think that's probably one of her best looks in the movie. Um, this one, I'm not so sure about. Uh, <laughs> the, the dress that she wears to go to the first uh, family dinner at Castleberry Hall. So Morgan, thoughts on yeah. this? I like the color. I like the color, this sort of burnt orange color. However, it definitely doesn't fit her correctly. Like the top part of it just seems like it's a disintegrate, like slouching off of her body. Uh, so I would, I would recommend like, like a nice seamstress. It's just sort of fit, fit that in. Yeah. I don't know what they were trying to go with that look. Uh, but uh, it was it was an interesting one. Uh, another interesting uh, look that I would not have pegged for uh, 
I don't know, maybe somebody from Buffalo. Uh, so uh, here's here's the um, the shorts. <laughs> I think is are those shorts? I, am, I'm am not I seeing that wrong. I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> um, there's a lot going on in this look. I have to be honest. There's a, a skirt, and then I think some some leggings or some tights underneath. There's a is that a sweater? There's a sweater over top of the sweater. There's a maybe a belt. Uh, definitely a scarf. It's it's like she was like what what if I could put everything in my luggage on at the same time? And she did it. She succeeded. And maybe, maybe that was the choice for the character that she was just, she didn't know what to prepare for and she just packed everything. Uh, so maybe, maybe that's what, uh, what the, the thinking was behind that, because apparently all of the clothes that Jules wears in the movie what? are all Katie's. So maybe, maybe Katie was thinking. So Katie knows where to get that sweater dress. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we interview her, let's make sure that we ask about the Christmas sweater dress. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, so, so I, I like it. I like having to try to see if we can think of like what, what, what did she think that Jules should be wearing? Uh, <laughs> um, Brandon said that last outfit is uh, giving, uh, giving uh, me McDonald's vibes. Which, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's the red and the uh, yellow. I think that's where that's coming from. Uh, so we got another sort of like sweater. Guys, guys, yeah. Oh, I just wanted to say I apologize. I'm not chiming in, but I think I fixed my tech issues. So, Rebecca, oh, you uh, see another me down there if you want to swap me back <laughs> in at some point. Oh, do you, do you want me to put the, the other Bill Meeks in? <laughs> okay, all right, hang on. How confusing would it be to have them both at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many Bill Meeks backstage. Okay, Bill, is it working? Hello. Hey, we got Bill on. It is all right. working, I think. Right. Yes, it we can hear Excellent. you a little bit better. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, so just to leave off, we only have a couple more overlays left. Uh, when she runs to the train station, she's got the hat, the sweater and the jacket with the flowers on it. Uh, so, uh, I, I like this. I think the, uh, that the, I don't know what you guys call them. Skull caps. Um, like little uh, beanies. Beanies. Um, I, I think, uh, she's really working those in this movie. Beanies. Beanies. Yeah. I like it. I like this look. Uh, even though she's got her, um, macrame flower, um, what is that? Is that, I guess it's a, like a jacket. Like yeah. A, I think it's a long jacket. Yeah. It's, it's that, that by itself is a lot of look. I have to be honest. And it does look like she has a, um, a turtleneck and a scarf, which seems like uh, gilding the lily, but I like this look. <laughs> well, she's also really committed to that McDonald's color scheme, which I appreciate. She she's having to wear layers. She doesn't know exactly how cold it's going to be. She's because you got to prepare for everything. Okay, so the the big uh, outfits of the movie are the dresses. So we probably should talk about the big dress, the fairy tale dress that she comes in uh, the top of the stairs of the ball like you would. Um, so Morgan, what did you think about this one? We have kind of a wide shot of the dress. We also have a little bit more of a, a close up shot if you if you want to talk about the uh, the details of it. I think the dress is very pretty. I think it's very pretty. I like the blue color. I like the detailing on it. It's very fancy. It's amazing that they could have gotten that for her um, just so quickly. Uh, <laughs> it, it does look like maybe they could have fitted it a little bit better, but I'm going to give them a pass on that since they just bought it that night. <laughs> Yeah, they had they I don't know how they got it so quickly. I don't know. I again, I don't know where the location and the distance between everything is because they were really kind of vague about where Castleberry was because <laughs> it sounded like a fictional place. I don't think it was a real 
place. So I don't know where Castleberry is loca- located in terms of uh, Vienna. So I'm, I don't know how quickly they had to turn around that dress, but um, it, I thought it was very pretty and it worked for like a, a ball dress and definitely an upgrade to, I think, what she had that the uh, that Abigail had uh, messed <laughs> up. I think it was an upgrade from what from what we saw of that dress. So I think it, I think it worked for like a princess fairy tale ball dress. Um, and the other thing, oh, Bill, were you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, I'm super glad that I was, you guys had this section so I could figure out my tech issues. I really appreciate <laughs> this, this is why we do it. It's just, just a vamp while Bill takes care of stuff. Okay. So the last overlay we have to look at is the big wedding dress at the end. Uh, Morgan, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I like it. I like it. It's, it's, it's cl- very classic. The bottom poofiness is not my favorite I, i'm not a big fan of the mermaid look this isn't exactly like a full mermaid i guess it's more like a a ball gown but the thing where it like is really fitted in the bodice and then it like just kind of explodes out at the bottom is not my particular style but i mean she's rocking it i like her long gloves it gives her like a very regal aspect because again she is a princess now um and maybe even a print a princess all year round but specifically at christmas uh, definitely <laughs> yeah i'm just surprised her sh- her shoulders are s- sort of in she's not at the straps well a very limited amount of clavicle which i was disappointed in uh, i felt like this was the moment for her shoulders to shine they had truly triumphed in the movie but uh <laughs> so i guess that's the difference between jules and lena is that lena lena that's the have- character work she's doing yeah <laughs> Lena would definitely have those uh, shoulders out, but Jules uh, kind of reined them in a little bit. It would have been great if she had like a bunch of scarves on the wedding dress. She's like, (laughs) I just love layering. (laughs) (laughs) It's just really cold wherever Castleberry is. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, I think that's going to do it for uh, Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. So we'll uh, go to the, the, um, the sounder and then we'll come back. And this has been Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. All right, everybody, we've gotten through all of the important things, uh, <laughs> like the dresses and the scarves and the sweaters of a princess for Christmas. <laughs> uh, so let's just go around and uh, say our closing uh, overall thoughts about the movie, uh, since we that is why we are here for this live stream. So, Bill, what are your overall thoughts about a princess for Christmas? Well, you know, when when you look at storytelling and mythology and take it back, you know, to the ancient Greeks. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, it was re- it was for what it was. It was a really good movie. I always say, you know, when you review something, what was done? How well was it done? Was it worth doing? What was done? Uh, uh, Christmas uh, kind of lifetime movie was made. How well was it done? They did a pretty decent job besides those couple of story flaws that we were pointing out throughout the uh, throughout the whole thing. And was it worth doing? Well, I mean, it's still being talked about, what, nine years later? So I guess so. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's become a little bit of a cult classic classic. Uh, people people mm-hmm. are uh, fans of this movie. So it's uh, it's still being talked about. It hasn't gotten, you know, forgotten at, after so many years. So there is that to say for it. Uh, so, Morgan, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, this is our this is our first Katie McGrath Christmas movie. Uh, this but not our last. A Christmas tradition here at Supergirl Radio. So what did you think about our first entry into Katie McGrath holiday classics? 
Um, I I liked it for what it was. I've you know I I've watched. I love romantic comedies. I I don't mind the Lifetime sort of Hallmarky Christmas movies. I've partaken of one or two. I don't know that it was a standout of the genre. I'll be honest. I've seen better. <laughs> I've seen more enjoyable. Um, but I think it it accomplished what it meant to accomplish. She was from Buffalo. <laughs> there were some children. Outlander was in it, 007 Grandpa, and she <laughs> became a, Chris, a princess for Christmas. And I think uh, also Downton Abbey, heavily involved. Uh, and I think when you add all those elements together, I mean, clearly something happened. Uh, <laughs> so I think that I think it was enjoyable. I think that the, the reason it sort of is living on uh, as a cult class is classic is that it's kind of it's got all that you want out of a christmas movie it's almost like somebody had a checklist and was just going people love downton abbey check people love princesses check christmas check uniforms check is that a real uniform or a band uniform who cares check um and so i think that it's um i thought that it was enjoyable like it knew what it was i don't think it was striving to be you know academy award winning a princess for christmas and it was a good time you you sit down it wasn't over i will give it one thing it was not overly long which i appreciate like i think if you're this type of movie you want to be a good 90 minutes you want to get in and you want to get out you want to get out by the end uh, which i did want to get out so with the trivia uh you know a unit of 90 minutes is called a winter bottom <laughs> ah yes yes you, you want your film to be exactly one winter bottoms long <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so I, I agree that um, that this movie was everything that it set out to be. I, I don't I don't think it was supposed to be some grand epic story. It just wanted to be a fun, festive, heartwarming family uh, Christmas movie. And it accomplished that, I think. Um, I, I don't know that I would uh, put it out as an example of you know, great script writing, but I think <laughs> that it is uh, what it set out to be. And I, you know, I got to give it up to people who, who write and direct a movie, go out and make a movie in Romania, in a castle there in the winter with all the snow. Uh, and they, they made the movie and it made sense, which I can't say for a lot of Supergirl episodes. <laughs> so, um, so I will, I will give it that. I knew where why they were at certain locations. I knew what they were doing. So yeah, yeah, in that <laughs> sense. It's, it's refreshing to watch something that actually makes sense and has a cohesive storyline. <laughs> Even if you feel like it could have done more, it did enough to, to make it make sense. It could have used just a little bit more CGI, though. Oh, I, I more, wish. <laughs> more flying, I, I think, would, would have been good. Uh, in, that, in that third act twist where uh, Grandpa 007 becomes an evil lizard creature in our remake, <laughs> we're going to get all in the, the CGI. <laughs> okay, you added an, an evil lizard creature, and that I really piques, piques my interest. See, I got Rebecca on board, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the people being re revealed as lizard people. Um, but I, I think uh, what, what I will say is that there was uh, a lot of pretty shots they made good use of the winterscape you know the snow uh especially the the scene with the kiss even maybe the kiss was not 
as maybe romantic or chemistry filled as, as maybe some people wanted. But I liked the use of the the snow falling there. It was very pretty. So I think they made good use of that. So I think the the way it looked was was pretty good. I think um, for the most part, the camera work um, was uh, pretty solid. So I, I think they they set out to make a, a family Christmas movie, and that's what they did. So I think uh, in all of those standards, they succeeded. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Well, I think um, since we got Bill here, I thought it would be fun because uh, we haven't done it in a while. But uh, really I think haven't. I think we should uh, play Snap Judgments. Are y'all are y'all ready to, to make some Snap Judgments? In the game of Snap Judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended, and explanations are unnecessary. Okay, we don't have a ton of snap judgments. So if you in the chat chat have a snap judgment you want us to make, put it in there. Uh, but Morgan, do you want to uh, take us through the snap judgments? Yes. Okay. So our first snap judgment, which would you rather take, ballet lessons or electric guitar lessons? Bill, what would you say? I would say ballet. Oh, nice. Because nice. I... I, I, I I know I, I don't know if I'm supposed to explain, but I know I already know how to play guitar, so it would be kind of pointless. So, so you want to uh, add another skill set? Is yeah, is actually, and actually, I I don't know if I pointed this out to you guys at the beginning of the show, but I'm not just wearing a Christmas top here; I'm wearing Christmas bottoms. Oh, <laughs> the full just yes. head to toe. I appreciate that. I've been working on my. You can tell I've been working on my flexibility, which is why I want to get into ballet. <laughs> You're really progressing, I think. Uh, so, Morgan, what would you pick? I feel like I might go too far into ballet and go, and it might become a black swan situation. <laughs> and so, for that reason, I'm picking electric guitar lessons. <laughs> Gonna head that off at the pass <laughs> just to protect everybody else. Yeah. Um, I tried tap dancing one time and it was not good. Uh, so, I don't think I'm meant to be a dancer. So, uh, I would like to take, I, I play a couple of car chords on the guitar, but I, I could really use some guitar lessons. So, I I would pick electric guitar on that one. Okay. Better name Paisley Winterbottom or Lady Arabella Machard de Belmont. Mar Marchand du Belmont. de Belmont. De Belmont. Okay, Bill, which one would you pick? Oh, sorry. I'm first again. I Paisley Winterbottom. I mean, you, you got you got to respect a name with a bottom in it. I mean, you have to. I actually uh, one of my uh, college projects that was a pretty big deal at the time, and then I've used this name in a million other things. One of the main characters' name was Lester Applebottom, so I have a proclivity. Towards <laughs> it's just a thing. I feel like you can't go wrong with Paisley Winterbottom. Uh, it's the most ridiculous British sounding name I've ever heard. Um, so yeah, big, big ups, big respect to my man, Paisley Winterbottom. <laughs> I definitely agree that Paisley Winterbottom is a, is a choice name, but I have a lot more fun saying Lady Arabella Marchand du Belmont. Uh, so I, I'm going to go, uh, for, for her name, which, which she says it's not a name, it's a title, but I'm going to say <laughs> her title because it's more fun to say I think it's the pronunciation that you have so beautifully. Marchand du Belmont. Du Belmont. Uh, I, 
I, I can think of a better title for her, but it's not appropriate for this broadcast. So I'm just <laughs> okay. leave it on the table. Keep, keep, keep that one uh, uh, off, yeah. off, off air. Yeah. All right. Last snap judgment um, from this list. A better movie title, A Princess for Christmas or A Christmas Princess? A Princess for Christmas. Chris- a Christmas Princess just sounds like one of those like direct-to-DVD Barbie movies, you know, where A Princess <laughs> for Christmas gives it a bit more grandeur. I agree. I think a princess for Christmas. That's that's why she's there. She's for Christmas. She's defending <laughs> Christmas. Uh, she's not, that would be an awesome movie. She's not just any old pr- Christmas princess. She's for prince uh, for Christmas for the people. <laughs> what if she the actually war had for Christmas, to- not the war on Christmas? <laughs> I see. I think that would be a better movie if she actually had to, you know, physically like defend the castle or something like that. And she was for <laughs> Christmas. Yeah, she's got. She's like suddenly. She's like uh, like flying down on like a a, a rope. <laughs> it's like it's like Home Alone, but uh, but Kate, but Buffalo Lena just like really goes all out commando style. <laughs> now I just kind of want a sequel to this movie called Paisley Winterbottom colon for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> We have so many sequels to this film. Like, if anyone's listening, we're just pitching them out there for you. Oh, oh, Mr. Christmas Universe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the Christmas Extended Universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> HBO Max, call us. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. A Princess for Christmas is actually the better title if you're going to go with one of the two. Uh, we did have some snap judgments in the chat. So Riley asks, Jules' sweater dress or Lena's gray sweater? Now, Bill, I don't know if you know about Lena's gray sweater, but it is a legendary iconic sweater from the series Supergirl on the CW. Uh, Lena's casual look uh, prepping for game night is the best outfit she's worn on the show. Hands down. We all love the gray sweater. Uh, it's, it's highly uh, valued on the show and in uh, our listeners uh, minds. So, uh, Morgan, I guess I'll direct this to you because I don't think that Bill has seen the Grace. So- <laughs> I, I have I have an opinion. But oh, he's got oh, an opinion. Oh, oh, yeah. well, okay, well, because, let's, hear, let's hear it. Because you say, you know, you and your listeners all love the gray sweater. I have to be the contrarian. So I'm oh. the sweater dress. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> it's a good sweater dress. I, uh, my loyalty, first and foremost, is to the gray sweater. <laughs> and I must stay. I must remain steadfast. Uh, but I, I will say, I, I wavered a second because that sweater dress is great. Because <laughs> the sweater is just your is just a top right but the sweater dress is a whole outfit so yeah that's true that's a good point it's tough, it's tough. throw some <laughs> leggings in there it's multiple outfits oh my gosh <laughs> you got you got yourself a couple outfits <laughs> yeah i think i'm gonna go with lena's gray sweater but i will say that that was pretty tough um let's see uh nicole says bud or tea uh, uh opinions like bud light yes yeah. yes i'm gonna i'm gonna have to go with tea because I feel like the penguin on my teacup would be disappointed if I did not. <laughs> Can't let this little guy down. <laughs> Bill, what would you say? I'll have to go with tea too, just because <laughs> I drink beer, not Bud Light. So, you know. <laughs> Which I don't think that counts. Yeah. So. No, it does. Bud Light is just basically dirty water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking tea as well. So I'm going to say tea because I'm not a big fan, big fan of beer. I don't know. I've tried it. I'm, I don't care for it. Uh, so yeah, T all the way on that one. Um, there's another name 
snap judgment. Uh, if we had to pick between Bunny McCracken or Paisley Winterbottom, who would we Ooh. pick there? Bunny McCracken is a good name. It is, but I can't do my uh, my boy Paisley dirty, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he still deserves it. Oh, man. Uh, this one's tough because I enjoy saying Bunny McCracken a lot. <laughs> oh, you know, Bunny McCracken. Um, you, you can say it so many different anybody- ways, too. <laughs> Did she remind anybody else of Cruella DeVille? Like yeah, her whole yeah. look, her whole I was, thing? I was like a little obsessed with Bunny McCracken. I'm not going to lie. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what's her story? Um, always a good sign in your movie if suddenly I've latched on to a small minor character who won't have any lines. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go, I gotta go with Bunny McCracken because I feel like she can be like Bunny McCracken or she can be like a little Scottish. She can be like Bunny McCracken. <laughs> yeah, the Bunny McCracken. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's how Outlander gets involved in this. <laughs> you know, I don't think Bunny McCracken really fit her character though. It's a cool name, but I don't know. I don't know that I got Bunny McCracken from that actress. <laughs> so I'm gonna go Paisley Winterbottom because I think he 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 looks like a Paisley Winterbottom. So I, I agree. I think the name she, really- she wasn't serving Bunny McCracken. She just <laughs> was Bunny McCracken. Re- Rebecca, Rebecca, how many Paisley Winterbottoms have you seen? That's all I want to know. Uh, well, you know, I just I know enough to know <laughs> when Winterbottom, that's that guy. I definitely see him as that guy. So, um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm going to go with. We have a snap judgment from Riley who asks, a spinoff movie is being made. Should it be about Affair Over There, about Winterbottom, and the, uh, or should it be about the antique guy who fired Jules and the lady who got recommended by Jules called Critique the Antique? <laughs> okay, well, Critique the Antique sounds like a, a reality TV show. Which I would watch. <laughs> I, I like Affair Over There. I like yeah, a fair fair of this. It's steamy. <laughs> Although I will say I, one vote for yet another spinoff movie. I really wanted to see the the girl who was with the boy when at the beginning of the movie when he was shoplifting the video game. I wanted to see them get together and they never. Yeah, they me never too. On it. Yeah, that seemed like that should have come back into place. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you just introduced some like she didn't need to be there. He could have yeah, just taken. So why was she there? I don't know. That seemed strange. I kept waiting for her to come back in some way. And then, nope. (laughs) Never did. I I feel like that uh, maybe should have been followed up on. Uh, We had one more. uh, James and Lena or Jules and Outlander. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. This is this is legitimately tough. (laughs) I will admit. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, Bill, do you have an opinion on this? I know you're not uh, a super uh, supergirl watcher, uh, like hardcore, but you you know about who James is and who Lena. Yeah, is. yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Lena and Jules because I like you know just completely rocking the boat. <laughs> They see each other and they're like, something about you is so attractive. <laughs> I've been looking for someone like you my entire life. You you just seem so buffalo real. And I like that about you. 
and, and you, you're so smart. Want to get some chicken wings? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I like the scenario that you've pitched so much. Um, if I had to pick, and this is, again, this is a real thinker. I feel like I'm going to go Jules and Outlander uh, because, because when they danced their beautiful dance to <laughs> gymnastics, I felt, I felt in that moment that they, that they really did have something in common. And what it was, was bad dancing. And I wish they had <laughs> dived into that a little bit more. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I was, I was always kind of in that minority that I really liked James and Lena and I was terribly upset when she kicked him out of that Rolls Royce and, and drove. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say James and Lena on that one. And I think it, is that, is that it for all of I our snap judgments? In... Some good snap judgments though. Yes. Thank you all for uh, sharing those and we'll, we'll be right back. No judgments on your snap judgments. Okay, before we go, since it is uh, pretend to be a time traveler day, we're going to be doing another little uh, time time jump into the past. And I thought it was fitting. Uh, Bill uh, came on this uh, week's episode, uh, but he's he's been on Supergirl Radio this year. He came on to talk about fan podcasting because he has a book out, which you should totally get uh, called Fan Podcasting, The Complete Guide, which you can uh, find at doanything.media. So uh, Bill came to talk to us about fan podcasting, which we do every week. We're also in the, uh, Morgan and I are featured in the book. Uh, so I thought it was really fitting that Bill is uh, with us so that we could time travel uh, because there was a there was a part of that episode that he talked about and encouraged us about that uh, came true. And so I just thought it might be good for the end of the year. This is our last episode of the year. I incorrectly said last week or or incompletely said last week last episode and i wondered if people were freaking out that uh they thought <laughs> this, it was the last episode of super finale of supergirl radio we're ending on a high note with a princess for christmas <laughs> so my apologies if people thought i i actually meant the last episode of super <laughs> i meant the last episode of super radio for 2020. Um, so I thought it might be good since uh, we're, you know, heading into a new year, we could take a look back and see kind of where we were and now where we are. So uh, let's take a trip into the past. We're going to go back to March 2020 and uh, we'll do a little time traveling. What do you think just as an outsider? Because we think we're great. But we could probably yes. we we could probably always use some you know constructive criticism on what we could do better. So, as an outsider, what what do you think that we could maybe improve on? You're already kind of doing it because you guys have been doing these Instagram lives lately. I think you guys should bite the bullet and stream live to Twitch or YouTube or something like that mm. when you record oh, your episode. <laughs> with the chat. Oh God, I'd I, have to. I'd have to wear makeup all the time though. I'd have to like, I'd have to not be in my, my pajamas always. When we <laughs> so they have all those filters. You can give yourself like a leopard mask or something. Perfect. It'll be fun. Perfect. If, what if I only did it with like the dog face, like the Instagram dog face? <laughs> perfect. For, and then Rebecca could be the cat face. Rebecca could be the cat face and then it'll be, it'll be a nice dynamic there. Yeah. That, that's, that I, I would watch that actually. That would, that would be amazing. <laughs> No, but I I think you guys just have you guys uh, in good ways and bad ways. You have such an active listener base and you guys play so well off each other. I, I think it would be a really smart move for you to try and take it live and 
bring some of that live interaction into your show because I, I think, you know, bringing, and I make this point in the book several times, bringing outside voices into your show can only help it because, you know, as much as you know, as smart as you are, collectively, your listeners are smarter. So the more you can feature them, uh, the better. That is, oh, I have no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely true. <laughs> So, Bill, what 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 is our what is our score now? Where where do you see us? We did it. <laughs> you got you guys' score is ten billion, and I I just want to say, you know, I I throw out challenges all the time. Nobody ever does them. You guys did it, <laughs> and I feel guilty now. So I'm gonna make a commitment to you you gals. Okay. okay. What's that? Okay. So you know you you bring me on the show all the time. You're like, oh hey, here's Bill. He's a cool guy. He doesn't, he's not really caught up on Supergirl. He doesn't know a whole lot. You know what? This winter, this Christmas break, I'm going to binge watch Supergirl. <gasps> next, next time I'm on, I'll know what the heck I'm talking about. Oh, next time well. you're on Encyclopedia Knowledge. <laughs> Supergirl. <laughs> we are going to definitely bring you back to, especially as when the, the show wraps up, I want, I want your mm -hmm. thoughts on what you thought about the show, uh, because there are some real rough seasons, Bill. It gets, uh, it gets uh, gnarly there. Uh, <laughs> Strap <two> in. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fine. You know, if there's a couple rough episodes, I'll just grab a Bud Light and some hot wings and I'll be <laughs> There you go. go. You got it all ready. Listening to that um, that podcast snippet from March 9th. 2020 <laughs> as i joked about how i only did the podcast in my pajamas not knowing that the future held for me nothing but pajamas that was a that was a dark moment for me listening back i was like i'd have to i'd have to leave my makeup on now i'm like yay one day i can put on makeup a person will see me today <laughs> incidentally i i will say is a little bit of trivia uh, that podcast recording actually took place, I think, like March 4th or 5th. And all three of us were shooting a documentary at that time. So you'll get to see the behind the scenes of that uh, when that documentary comes out, when I get it done, probably. Actually, it's called One Week in March. I'm probably going to be releasing it the same week in March we recorded it. So, oh, oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so we, we record it for one week in March and just so happens, I'm not saying that Bill had anything to do with the pandemic, but it turned <laughs> out to be cabinet for him that we record it like the week before lockdown. So Bill has a, like a, like a time, like a snapshot of a very historic moment in time for a lot of yeah, people's the, lives. <laughs> the tagline is going to be the last week of the old normal. Yeah. Um, but it, I, you know what? I've been carrying this guilt around with me for a long time. <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys something that I, a thought that crossed my mind the morning we were getting started. I was like, you know, I hope something happens in the world that will, <laughs> and, you know, everyone will hear Bill. about and have an opinion on. And then COVID happened. I'm sorry, guys. It's all Bill's fault. <laughs> if you take anything away from this live stream, Everything is Bill's fault is basically what happened. Thanks to 2020, Bill. <laughs> no problem. Wait until 2021. It's going to be a woozy. <laughs> Uh, but but that actually, um, in all seriousness, Bill, thank you for encouraging us. And and I think I don't know, Morgan. I think the live streams have been a lot of fun. Our episode, fun. 
our episodes have gotten a lot longer, but oh, totally. we, we, we have a lot of fun. And um, Bill made a really good point about our listeners bringing more to the podcast because they would know things that we don't know. And definitely tonight was a good example of that, that they are always contributing and uh, being a, a very big, important part of Supergirl Radio. So thank you guys um, for for showing up in the chat, participating in these. So I'm, I'm really proud of us, Morgan, that we 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 took that challenge and we uh, accepted it and, and did some good stuff, I think. And now look okay, at it. You've got like opening credits and closing credits and in between credits. And uh, and I can't take credit for any of those because I've done nothing with them. But <laughs> Rebecca's done such a good job with all the live stream stuff. It's so professional. Whenever like the legends uh, <laughs> see it, we're like, whoa, cool. <laughs> we're too lazy to do it, but we respect it. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it, it, it comes with time. You know, you start with something and then you sort of build with it. Um, but it, it's been a lot of fun for me to, to do that. Uh, I, I definitely go a little overboard. I had like, I don't know how many overlays for this one. Uh, I, we have way too many video clips now. Uh, it's getting a little hard to manage, but uh, I think it adds something to it. And uh, so well, I, you don't have you don't have to tell me, Rebecca, I switched for you a couple weeks back. Yes. So. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. Bill is going to have to come and do this uh, for our debate. Uh, so thank you for doing that. Um, but I just thought that'd be fun to take a little trip down memory lane for a couple of these things. Uh, since it was pretend we didn't have to pretend to be a time traveler today. We we did some actual well i mean not in physical time and space but time maybe maybe not space but to time i think definitely so uh i'm glad we could uh pretend to be time travelers on this day all right well i think that's uh gonna do it for this episode of supergirl radio and for the final episode of supergirl radio for 2020 i should say uh so bill where can our listeners find you on the internet if they want to follow up with you uh, if you want to follow me, I'm on every social media channel, usually at Bill Meeks. And uh, if you want to, I have a new project I've started. I've been writing TV pilots over the past few months, uh, all set in the same little town in Ohio called Hawking Hills. So if you want to check out those, I have three of them up right now. It's at HawkingHillsScripts.com. Also, I'm coming out with a, a daily live show on Christmas Day. It's going to start Christmas Day, so keep an eye out for that. Oh, that's awesome. That's is it fun. uh is that gonna be on the where or where can people uh, it, it, it'll be starting on the do anything media YouTube, which is do anything.media slash YouTube. Uh the okay. show is gonna be called What Matters This Morning. I'm gonna go live every morning at about five AM and talk about oh. all the important stuff happening that day. Are you gonna wear your uh Christmas PJs? I I definitely will on Christmas at least. Like <laughs> You the don't want to commit to it for the whole year? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't like Christmas that much. Uh, no, kind of the whole conceit for the show is that I come on and I give you all the news you need to know to get you out the door on one cup of coffee. So, you know, I'll be in my PJs, I'll have a hoodie on or a beanie on, you know, and it'll just be nice and relaxed and easy. And then I can get up and get the kids moving. Nice. Well, that sounds nice. awesome. Well, I'll definitely be tuning in. And uh, if you want to go watch that, uh, subscribe to the Do Anything Media YouTube channel and check out Bill's stuff. I know you're also working on new Fakest episodes. So do you want yes, to tell our I audience about the Fakest? Yeah, uh, the Fakest, it's a, I call it a sketch dramedy podcast because uh, it's, you know, half audio drama, half sketch comedy. It's about a news station called... Uh, 
or a news station called KCOM Studios that produces a show called The Fakest, where they make the fake news for real. Basically, it's a whole group of journalists who are devoted to making stuff up. And uh, we've been doing it about three years now. Rebecca is my co-lead on it. She plays Leanne Snyder, uh, <laughs> who's named after the Snyder Cut. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's a true story. And it, I love it. You know, it, it's a lot of fun. And we're wrapping up with the last season here. Like I said, I'm writing it right now. I'm hoping to have everything done and everyone start recording right after the holidays. So thefakest.com, check it out. Awesome. Yeah, uh, you should de definitely go uh, subscribe uh, to wherever uh, you listen to podcasts. Uh, oh, go. Yeah, go ahead. I forgot to mention Morgan. I've written you another. Morgan's been on the fakest yes. before. <laughs> I've written her another part as Morgan. Exciting. Leanne, <laughs> Leanne, Leanne's friend in broadcasting. It's going to be a big stretch for you. I hope you can handle it. Oh, oh my God. I'm going to start preparing now. I really want to get, I'm a, a Bill, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to get method on this. <laughs> I, I would, I would recommend walking on hot coals and then picking the ash up and rubbing it into your eyes. You yes, know, that, gonna, that, you're going to believe that I'm a person named Morgan by the end of this. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Uh, so the fake, the fake, fakest is really good, and not because I am part of it, and not because Morgan's part of it, and but mostly because Bill writes it, and it's very good, and it's very funny and clever. So if you want uh, something to listen to and laugh with uh, over the Christmas uh, break, the New Year's, uh, definitely give it a listen before season three comes out. All right. Well, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, uh, Morgan, if you want to hop into the the brand section, we can make. Of this course, I do. Super, super profesh. Um, if you can find all the overlays wherever I put them. Oh, there's uh, so many. Here we go. <laughs> so many now, and you might want to click on it and then like click it off before I, before you go to the next one because they don't do so well with Streamyard. <laughs> Okay. okay. All right. So uh, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. And make sure to write and call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we like to prepare Google Docs, and that helps us do that. If you uh, would like to check us out on uh, social media, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. Uh, you can listen to us on iHeartRadio a Spotify where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. Uh, we're on Radio Public and Podchaser. We're also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We're on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. If you've been loving our live streams, please go to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio and uh, tell us what you like about them. Um, you can That'd be a wonderful uh, Christmas gift for us. That would. <laughs> the re would. reviews really help. <laughs> Yes, we would appreciate that. Uh, and if you are like, Rebecca, I don't I don't know where to find all this stuff. You can just go to supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page and you can find links to everything I just mentioned. And I, I think uh, now we need to uh, cover our bases with DC TV podcasts. So we should probably uh, get to uh, Amy's uh, DC TV plugs. Where are they? I have so many videos. Okay, this is Amy from the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. 
Giving us the plugs. Supergirl Radio is part of the DCTV Podcast Network, so if you're interested in The Flash, Black Lightning, Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, Titans, Stargirl, Green Lantern, Strange Adventures, and the upcoming Superman and Lois series, or DCTV After Dark, make sure to follow DCTV Podcasts on social media and subscribe to the podcast mega feed if you want all those podcasts in one place. And I guess we should talk about the DCTV Podcast T Public Store. There's a ton of sales going on. I thought they were only going to do a sale for Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and they're like... We're just gonna have sales every day. So apparently it's going, it's going and going. <laughs> so apparently you can get even even now, uh so far removed from Thanksgiving, uh, you can still get sales in the the T public store. You can find the link to that if you go to superallradio.com. There's a link that says T public at the top of the page. And uh I think we should talk about some of the Lena stuff that we have in the store. So we many, have a lot of so many wonderful Lena items. Do you want to pretend like you are Lena? You can get that National City sweatshirt. <laughs> you can. We have that. We have a couple we have a couple of uh Lena designs. I, I threw in some mugs here since we were all like drinking tea or some uh <laughs> some fun uh, Christmas beverages tonight. Uh so we have some Lena Luther mugs uh that you can get from <laughs> the public store. You can actually get uh we talked about the National City sweatshirt. You can get a mug of Lena Luther wearing a sweatshirt. Oh my God. I mean, and then you can drink your tea while wearing the national city sweatshirt out of your mug that has Lena wearing a sweatshirt. There's so many, so many (laughs) levels to that. It's, it's mind blowing. Um, Yes. Yes. (laughs) So you can definitely go to the DC TV uh, podcast, T public store uh, from supergirlradio.com and get you some sales. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff in there that we have in the store. So definitely check it out. Uh, You can find me. I am on Instagram at the Derby kid. I post the occasional uh, picture of where I've been or something I've seen. Uh, So I try to take some pictures there. I also have a YouTube channel that I'm still a little bit behind on. I've been trying to get some more content up there. Uh, But if you want to see any of my travel videos or any of my uh, Snyder Cut or DCEU material that seems to be pretty popular. And I got to say, the people who subscribe to my channel, I really, they're holding my feet to the fire. Because I I said in one of my intro videos or my Batman v Superman videos uh, that I was going to do a video on the critical reception. And I still plan on doing one, but I haven't done it yet. And every uh, like three weeks, I get a a, a notification. Hey, when, when's that uh, 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 critic video? When, when is that coming out? You, you got that video yet? When's that coming out? I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I know I'm behind. <laughs> uh, so I really got, I owe it to the people who follow and subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's coming. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of research and I want to make it right. Cause you know, I don't want to be like, these people are idiots, even though I kind of sort of feel like that, but I don't think the video should have that tone. So I got to find the right uh, tone to talk about critical reception. Uh, so I will be making that video eventually. So you can uh, subscribe to Duck Milk Prod there on YouTube. If you want to see any of those videos. Cool. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. We still have to drop our um, infamous uh, Sopranos episode, I believe. <laughs> and uh, so we have at least one episode coming this month in December, maybe two. We were thinking about talking about the happiest season, the new movie that movie that came out on Hulu. So we might have two episodes, but we don't want to commit to that because we don't like committing to episodes because then we find that people get disappointed when they don't appear. So, <laughs> but you should check that out. 
Yeah, that's what's happening with my YouTube channel. So I feel your pain. And, and when, when I said, <laughs> and when I said that I think those people are idiots, I didn't mean the people who subscribe to my YouTube channel. I, I meant the people who reviewed Batman v Superman, the top critics for Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, those people, I think, uh, maybe didn't have as quality of an opinion as uh, what I meant. So I just wanted to clear the air on that. Um, okay, well, I think uh, we're gonna call it a night for uh, this uh, final episode of 2020 so i think that's going to do it for this episode of supergirl radio but until january 2021 i'm still rebecca johnson i'm still morgan glennon and we will see everybody in the new year dc tv podcast there's too many now. Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Is Nasty Luther like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Ooh. Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Radio.